You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Joshua chapter 24. Hold your place there in Joshua 24. And it just hit me tonight. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind just um, telling me where you got saved. Where, where were you? Like in, a, in, our, in my church at, um, at, and my, at my home. In, and uh, if you don't mind sharing that, just raise your hand and tell me, Rosalind, where did you get saved? Let's see, that would have been 101, no, uh, 622 South Sycamore, the, the, first, the first one, yep, praise the Lord. You knew the exact spot, that's great, yes. <laughs> Amen, and that was how many years ago, do you remember? A bunch, a bunch of years, that works. 13 years ago, awesome. Blake, was your hand up? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Who else? Speak up when you're saying it so everybody can hear. Pam. Somebody from the church at your house. Amen. Yes, Sandy. <laughs> all right in church at your house that works all right yes ma'am at school all right praise the lord anybody over here saved yeah john saved you got saved at at your house yeah 1972 wow you're that old john can't believe that 72 tina Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something you can just remember that spot, Colleen. In Bible camp. And where was that at? Oh. Great. Super. Brother Ruckman, you saved? All right. Up in Maryland. Amen. All right. We'll move around over here. We'll come back and forth. Yes, Trudy. I got saved at a Christmas party. Yeah. Amen. But it was at, in your church that you're attending. Amen. Okay. Marlis? In George. At the Baptist Church, which church was it? First Baptist in George. Yeah, Amen, Mavis. Amen. At your house, Amen. Gabe. At your house, praise the Lord. How long has it been now? You have to make us figure all that out. Two whole years ago, Brother Larry. Uh, where? Where were you when you got saved? 
Amen. And Korea. Nineteen fifty-three. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Uh, Judy. In Springfield. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yeah, buddy. Where was that at? In North Carolina, in the car. Praise the Lord. That works. Four-wheel salvation. Yes, sir. Oh, up at camp. You got saved there. Praise the Lord. That's right. Uh, Anna? Okay. A lot of years. Okay. And Kath? 1979. Praise the Lord. Keith? Amen. Amen. Heath? Yeah. Yeah, amen. Anybody saved? Hey, we'll pray for salvation for these folks. Hey, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. What's your name? Matt, you were here this morning, right? And where are you from? Virginia. I knew it wasn't South Dakota. I can tell that. Are you passing through or just visiting? Good to have you with us again. Amen. Anybody else real quick? We're going to move right along. Yes, Sue. Yeah. Amen. That's a blessing. Anybody else? Roger. Amen. Bunch of them got saved now, all right? Chris Ann? Where was that at? In New Hampshire. Praise the Lord, Tammy. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Josh? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, I got saved at the uh, Missionary Baptist Temple in Franklin, Ohio, and I remember um, a year or two ago we were back there, and I'm like, I got to drive past that old church building, see if it's even still there. It was an old building, and just had some real significance for me, and as I drove past that old church where little Eddie Bates, remember I told you about him this morning, where he was the pastor, and man, just driving past that spot, I just parked the car, and I, I sat there and thought about all the things that took place at that building and how the Lord spoke to my heart even as a young boy and uh, dealt with me about salvation. I'm going to get into tonight's message. It's a little bit familiar with what I'm doing here tonight with you and uh, I want to preach about making your choice. Make your choice in Joshua 24. Did I tell you that? Joshua 24. All right. Turn to Joshua 24 then if you will. All right, if you're in Joshua 24, this will be, I believe, my last message on Joshua. It was intended to be a message or a message, series of messages about Joshua and his life and how the Lord had used that man in a tremendous way. And um, we followed him all the way from probably a young man 
on up into where he's now an old man and ready to pass off the scene. And I, I want to follow his words. Please understand, guys, if we can uh, listen to me. Um, Israel has gone all the way, and he's going to show the beginning of their roots and bring them all the way through here in just a moment. But they've come out of Egypt, and they've gone across the wilderness, and they've come into Canaan land, and now they're in the promised land. And for Joshua, that guy fought tremendous battles to, to get these people where they are today. Uh, I'm thankful for men who have fought the battles to get us to where we are today. We need to remember those who have uh, sacrificed much in their lives to be able to, to bring you and me to a place where we are tonight. Joshua knows he doesn't have long with these people anymore. He knows it won't be long. He'll be out of the picture. And so he looks them in the eyes and says the most important things that he wanted them to know and to understand. And that's what we're getting into here tonight in uh, Joshua 24. Would you start with me in verse 1? And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, Shechem, however you would pronounce that, and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So here they are at Shechem, and he's saying this to them at that spot. He uh, said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other, notice the small g, gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac, and I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also unto Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side, Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. Uh, everybody remember that story? That's where the talking donkey comes in. And I've often said it doesn't surprise me that the, the donkey talked as much as it does that the, the man turned around and started talking back at him. He got into an argument with a donkey. And then he realized what he was doing. So, God said in verse 10, But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan. Are you following this journey now and no, watching what has happened in this uh, long journey in this great soldier's 
life. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. It's interesting to me. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Now that's a long way of saying you need to remember where I brought you from to where I have you now. And Joshua is just trying to, you know, he's just ringing the bell a little bit saying, guys, please remember how great the God is that we have served and how he has brought us to where we are tonight. And then he says in verses 14 and 15, now therefore, with everything that I just said to you, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. How many have a plaque at your house with this on there? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. He's drawing a line. He said, are you willing to step on a cross and be those who are willing to choose God? Capital G, God. Let's have a word of prayer and Well, thank you, Lord, for your blessings here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the many testimonies. I know we could have had many more tonight. I'm thankful to hear how you saved us, where you saved us, Lord, and how special those places can be. And I would ask tonight that you'll draw on our hearts, Lord, these thoughts that were heavy and pungent in the heart of uh, this great military leader that uh, led your people uh, to the promised land. So blessed tonight, I ask for your grace and mercy and your anointing tonight, in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. I was looking backwards at some times in my life, and um, I spent four years at 3001 West Division in Arlington, Texas. That's the old um, Arlington Baptist College where I went to college, and um, as most of you know, I, I... they don't stand on uh, in places where I stand tonight, and it was a sad day for me when I had to pull away from uh, my old alma mater as far as a Bible college goes. But <clears throat> I've told you my story there. I, I, I was saved nine years old at the Missionary Baptist Temple, Franklin, Ohio, a little white church building that you might in, imagine in, uh, out in the country. <clears throat> but I got saved there, and... Uh, and I came to church every service. I never missed a service because mom and dad never missed a service. 
You've heard it said that I was raised on drugs. You've all heard that. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And, uh, and I was just in church every service because that's where mom and dad wanted us to go. And even after I got saved, I appreciated the fact that I was saved and was born again into the family of God. And I, I just went to church because that's what you did. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the singing. I enjoyed all the young people I got to know at my church. But I will be honest with you that I really did not dedicate my entire life to the Lord until that first night uh, in Bible college uh, when you, you can tell the story like I can now. I know I've told it a dozen times here. But <clears throat> when George Malice stepped out of his dorm parent room and walked into that open area where he gathered all the young men that night in, uh, in, in uh, the, the dorm and wanted to give the opening uh, devotion for us guys. And honestly, when I saw that little skinny, wiry guy, and his hair was kind of curly in places, looked a little different, <laughs> as if that mattered. But that's where I was in life at the time. And I'm like, what is he going to say? When that guy opened up his Bible and began to teach and to preach from the Word of God, when he had stepped out of that door, it was so obvious to me that man had been with God. And when he stepped out and began to talk to us and to give that devotion on, uh, my son, give me thine heart. God got a hold of my heart that, that night. And God did something in my heart in a tremendous way. And, uh, and I surrendered that night. I, I had committed to God uh, one whole year. I said, God, you've got a year of my life. I'm going to go to Bible college. This is how carnal I was. And when I'm done with Bible college, my one year of Bible college that I'm going to give to you, like I was doing him a favor, I'm going to go back home in my 72 Camaro and cruise the streets and work back at Union Camp and make some money until that night. And God so broke my heart. And I saw something that I really needed to see. And I, I just humbly broke and I said, God, you have all four years or however many it takes me to graduate, 10 years if that's what it takes. I, I surrender to that and I don't know what's beyond that, but it's yours. And um, when I would go back uh, to the May Fellowships back in that day, as I'd be driving up to that college, I have to tell you, <clears throat> pulling up to the school, it was an old casino years ago and a lot of stories behind that. And there's this little outpost where a spy would stay in there. And if the, um, you know, the police were coming to raid it, he would ring up and down to the casino and everybody would run out uh, through the basement and down the backside of this hill. And I would drive past that little um, outpost and head on up to that place where I had gone <clears throat> into the boys' dorm and where I worked in the, in the um, gymnasium and all the things that we did there and the messages that were preached. And I have to tell you, my heart just gets real tender when I'm around those places where God has spoken to my heart. I just remember things. It's like, it's like God just seems to just come up next to me and says, you remember those times? And I'm like, oh yes, I remember those times. And, and can you remember when, I remember in my dorm room, uh, after having read somebody's biography, I can't, it might have been uh, D.L. Moody's, I can't remember who it was, but I remember getting on my knees and begging God to look into the future, and I didn't know what was out in front of me. Some great man of God had fallen. I mean, he had given into 
immorality, and I couldn't believe it. He was one of those men that you kind of felt like was an anchor for your life, and it, how it broke my heart. And I remember trembling and getting on my knees and just saying, God, would you just go out in front of me and, uh, and look at all those spots where I'm going to be, and would you... Would, would you just put some angels around those spots down the road? I remember these little words I was saying, and I asked him to help me to just to make it. Hmm. I didn't know I was going to go here. So, um, that was a special place for me, and I can honestly say that there have been a lot of those times where I've come upon some really difficult moments, and um, I just knew that God sent angels and his presence to, to work me through and to get me where I needed to go. I'm trying to get somewhere <clears throat> for this. I want you to look back into verse 1, if you will. <clears throat> I want to remind you what he says there in verse 1, that Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to, where, where are they here? Shechem, Shechem, whatever, whatever is, however you pronounce that. And that's where he called for all the heads and the elders and the representatives of Israel to be gathered around and to come together because he had a message uh, that he wanted to give to them. Now, it's significant that he brought them to Shechem or to Shechem. Uh, For Israel, this was the very spot that they had met with God before as they were coming back into the land. It was between the mounts Ebal and Gerizim, if you remember those two mounts, each one of them representing a blessing and a curse. And this is where Israel had just come into Canaan and met with God, get this, to renew their covenant with God. And it was a very significant and meaningful meeting at Shechem. And it had a powerful impact on what I believe was going to be their dedication to God. So here they're going back to Shechem. They kind of remembered it it wasn't 3001 West Division. It wasn't the dorm room necessarily for them. But it was a place where they remember specifically God met with us here. And Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that the voice of God had dealt with them and he knew the heart of the people had melted and had been surrendered to God and they made that covenant between God and man and they determined that we will live for that God. And so for these last closing words of Joshua is pretty much the message that he wanted to close out with in his life for Israel He brought them back to that special place in their life and says, now guys, and he doesn't necessarily bring that out. He doesn't say, remember, Shechem is the place where all these things happened. You don't have to tell me when I drive up to Little Missionary Baptist Temple and poke me and say, hey, this is a special place for you or or back at uh, 3001 West Division. Remember, this is where God dealt with your heart and you surrendered your entire life to God. You don't have to say that to people. When you get to those places, it's a special place in your life. And here they are before God and before this man who wants to pour his heart into their life. And that's what he's beginning to do. 
First thing he does, he reminds them of where he took them from there in verses 2 and 3. Follow that again. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor. And they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. Notice all these from places. And led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So Abraham was taken from among uh, the heathen. It doesn't say necessarily that he personally offered unto unto their idols, but he was taken out from that heathen land. And yet God in his mercy reached down into what they call the, the land of fire and brought, uh, brought out a man who would love and who would serve him. And he's reminding him that I brought you out of some really bad places to get you to where you are tonight. Um, I don't know all of your testimonies in depth. Um, again, I was raised in a Christian home. And if, if you say, well, preacher, what did God save you out of? I was saved in a, you know, out of a Christian home, and uh, I, I, I lived a, a good Christian life, not even being saved, but I was in rebellion in my heart and away from God, and if I had stayed in that way, and if God had not reached down, touched my heart when I was nine years old, God only knows where I, if I'd even be alive tonight. Some of you have some, what I would call some dramatic testimonies, and can look backwards on some times where God reach down into your life and in his love he picked you up and brought you to where you're at tonight and i i'm sure that if you could share your testimonies that somebody could just say amen to what god has done for me tonight and joshua is saying guys remember where i picked you up and brought you out of and where i have you planted tonight you you know a turtle on a fence post he didn't get there by himself amen somebody had to pick him up and put him there because he had no ability to climb a post And you had no ability to get where you're at tonight in and of yourself unless the hand of God got a hold of you and placed you where you're at tonight. He reminds them, first of all, where he took them from. Number two, he reminds them of the journey to get to where they are today. I'm not going to go back through verses 4 to 13. But uh, Joshua reminded them of a very long journey. He takes them from Egypt and through the Red Sea and, uh, and, uh, and reminds them about Pharaoh's army drowning in the sea. Uh, he goes from the beginning of their journey to the end of it at the Jordan River where God allowed them to wipe out all the Amorites and the, uh, the Girgashites and all the termites. I'm sure there's a few of those in there too. But he wiped out all those ites uh, and uh, Og and Sihon, two very great kings. Everybody was afraid of those kings until Israel got there and God uh, wiped them out through his people. He reminded them how Balak wanted Balaam to curse Israel for him, but God only allowed blessings to flow out of Balaam's mouth. And then he described how Jericho fell and all those, as I described, all those ite kingdoms fell. And he told them that some of the people he drove out uh, by sending in the hornets into their land and chasing them out. Has anybody here ever been stung by, I mean, a real hornet? Not, not a bumblebee, not a yellow jacket or a honeybee, a hornet. Anybody here ever been stung by one? So you know how fast some, you can run, don't you? 
those, man, those guys, those rascals are big. They can just about pick you up and, and carry you to their nest. He told them that he brought them into a land where there were cities that they didn't even build, vineyards and olive yards that they didn't even plant. And I'm just going to tell you again tonight, if you've got any goods at home, if you guys live in a decent house and drive a car that actually rolls when you put it in drive, <laughs> if you have a furnace that works, a roof over your head, and if there's food at your table every time you need it, just be reminded, I know you got a paycheck and you were able to go and pay for it, but God's the one that provided that for you. And that's what he's trying to say to these people, guys. You need to understand, I know sometimes you get into <clears throat> your nice little settings and your home and you kind of get comfortable with your Christian life and, uh, and you kind of feel like, you know, I've, I've arrived a little bit and God's been good to me and, man, I'm, I'm making it. But it's not you that are making it. God lets you be where you're at. God provides for you, and, and we need to remember that and just be reminded that I'm not making this on my own, and I, I've not grown so much in my Christian life that I'm doing pretty good now. I've needed God every day of my life. <clears throat> Before I got saved, I needed God, but from the minute I got saved until I drop into the grave and I head to heaven, I need God. God is the one that has provided for us all these good things, and he reminds them of that. So with all of that grace, he commands them to serve that God with all their hearts. Would you look how he said it? Honestly, verse 15 is the one we remember the most. But can you look at how he set them up for that in verse 14? Now, therefore, with everything that I've just said to you, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth put away the gods which your fathers served on <clears throat> the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord now let me just just break it down just a little bit now therefore fear the Lord you know what that means don't let anything else in life come up in front of you that represents something greater than God ever represents in your life don't let uh, something become so special in your life that it takes precedence over what you're doing in your life. Don't let something that's really important to you in this life become so important to you that you've begun to show more fear and reverence toward that thing in your life to where God is secondary or maybe even if you've moved him back sometimes into fifth place in your life. And Joshua knows human nature. And Joshua is looking at them, closing words. Last big things he's going to say here, basically. And he says, number one, guys, you need to fear God. Go along. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. Service requires movement. Service requires, hey, listen, service requires you surrendering your life and saying, here I am. God, what am I supposed to do for the day? My dad would pull up in the driveway and I knew what that meant. Bub, I need you to go. And he had a list of things in the garden and out in the yard and all these things. I'd run and try to find some of my neighbor friends to, to go and, and play some games. But when Dad showed up, I knew it meant I needed to go to work. When I heard him call my name, Bub, and I'd come running around the corner, yeah, Dad, I was showing up for duty. 
and I was surrendered, trust me. And you don't run from Matt Spencer, and uh, I'm still living tonight as a testimony of that. And so when, I, when my dad told me to do something, I, I, I literally gave myself to the, whatever my dad was wanting and what God is saying to us tonight and what Joshua wanted these people to know in his dying days was serve the Lord, serve God. And I'm so grateful you're here tonight on Sunday night when so many other people are at home and they're watching something on their television or they're doing something else. I'm so grateful that we are here tonight, but please hear what I'm saying. Do you understand that coming to church and sitting in church, you're fearing God, but you're not so much serving God? And I just want to challenge you tonight. Are you serving God with all of your heart? In our closing days, if we could put it that way, if God was to rapture us out tonight, on the way up, could you look backwards and remember the things that you're busy doing for God? And have you given yourself, all right, he takes it another step. Go along in verse 14 again. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Here it is, in sincerity and in truth. All the word sincerity means is with the whole heart. That's, that's what he means by that. So, guys, I'm, I, I've done everything I know to do, Joshua says, to lead you in a, in, a, in a godly way, in a righteous way. When we've gone into territories, we've wiped the enemy out. We didn't leave anybody. We've, we've learned to pray to God and seek the face of God and to know what God wants out of our lives. And, and we've gone at these, uh, at these uh, battles with everything that we have had. And I've done everything I know to do to lead you in that way. But I'm going to be gone, he says. And if I could just know that you're going to serve God in sincerity, meaning with all your heart, not a half-hearted service, not when I come to church and then it's not a problem. I don't have any problem at church setting up chairs, tearing chairs down, uh, working the buses and, and helping in Sunday schools and so on and so forth. But when I walk out those doors, it's my life and I'll do what I want to do. I'm going to listen to what I want to on my radio. I'll watch what I want to watch. I'll read what I want to read. I don't need somebody guiding my life. Well, friend, that's fine if that's the way you want to live. But Joshua's sincere desire was serve God in sincerity. Give him your whole heart in sincerity and in truth. Could I ask us here tonight, could you honestly say tonight that I'm giving him all I have? That I'm not holding back anything on God. I don't have anything in reservation in my heart that I, I'm like, okay, God, here's, <clears throat> I'm saying, here's my life. But you know down in your heart, you're holding something back. I remember Carl Hatch saying, Carl Hatch, the evangelist. How many remembers the hatchet man? That guy come in here and screamed his head off. <laughs> he was a great preacher, but I remember his testimony. He said, I had been an evangelist for years, and he said, I went to a revival service, a tent revival, and he said that old preacher got up and was preaching that message, and he was uh, uh, preaching his heart out, and he preached about the keys of your heart, and he said, uh, he held up a big key ring, and he, he said, here's the key to this part of your life, and he went on down the row naming where these keys belong to, and he said, uh, That's, this is the way many of you have given your life to God. All these keys, you say, God, you got all these parts of my heart. All except for this last one. And this one has a place in my heart that's for me. And this place is not for anybody else. It's not for God. It's not for my family. 
This is my key, and when I want to go there, this is when I go there. And I'm not going to give this last key to God. And he said, I remember how God began to prick on my heart. And he said, God had his finger on that one little room in my heart and was saying, you're holding back on me. There's a place in your heart you've not surrendered fully to God. And he said, here I am, an evangelist, having preached many revivals and watched a lot of people's hearts break at an altar. And he said, I remember getting out of that uh, chair and that tent revival and going down to an altar and laying myself on that altar and giving God every key of my heart. And finally, that man served God in sincerity, wholeheartedly and in truth, according to the Word of God, the way the Lord has commanded us to do so. So Joshua just wraps it up and says, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at you guys, and he said, I, I'm telling you, you need to make a choice tonight. In verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, that's almost hard to read. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, I just don't want to... Would anybody, can I, I can't get past this. Look up here. Is there anybody here that could just say, I don't want to serve God. That just don't seem right. I don't want to serve a holy God of heaven who's given his life for me on Calvary. I don't want that God having my heart. Is there anybody here actually saying that? I don't want God in my life. But Joshua knows something that we may not understand. And if you read along, it becomes obvious what was going on. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then guys, choose you this day whom ye will serve. If it's, listen, if it's not God, you're already making your choice. You're choosing something or somebody else. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And he names what he knows is still going on in the congregation. Read your commentaries. They, they know that in spite of all the victories that God has given, there's still some kind of a, <clears throat> a group of those people in their congregation that still brings out from under the little blanket in their tent and sets it up at nighttime, a little idol, and somehow feels like <clears throat> to bow down to this little small g God is going to somehow bring me some kind of favor. So he goes on, look at it. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or that, notice these are small g gods, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Now look up, and we'll get to that last statement here in a minute. He says, if you think it's evil to serve God, then choose who you're going to serve, pull out your little idols, and give it all you got. God hates a lukewarm Christian. God said, I wish you'd either get hot or cold, but I, I am tired of Christianity that serves me on Sunday, and then on Monday, it's the way they want it to be. That they give all they've got on Wednesday night, but on Thursday, I'm right back to where I want to be, and I do my own little thing in my own life. And uh, he's basically saying, just, would you just make the choice? Would you stop, like they say, sitting on the fence, teetering back and forth, trying to decide which way do I want to go? He says, you've got a choice to make. But here's what I want you to know on my dying days. And he says that last little phrase there at the end. As for me and my house, here's the line in the sand. We will serve the Lord. Could anybody else just say amen to that? 
as for me and my house, I'm, I'm going to make this statement tonight. He said, well, preacher, you're the preacher. You ought to be making that. I want to say it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in sincerity with all of our heart, with everything that I've got, with all of my energy, with all of the future that's out in front of me. I want to serve God with all my heart. You have a choice to make tonight. To our young people here tonight, you have a choice to make. If it just seems evil to you, listen to me. If it just doesn't seem right to give God your entire life, there's something about him that he's not worth laying it all down at the altar for. And I want to go at it my way and do what I want to do then God says to you tonight, then go ahead and serve that way. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Maybe it'd do us good here tonight. I'm going to talk to the dads here tonight, to the men here tonight. might do us good just to recommit tonight and say, we're serving God. We're going to give him everything we've got. Maybe some young people here tonight would just decide... I'm going to serve him in sincerity with all my heart. I'm not holding anything back. I, I, I'm not going to let, tell God, I'll serve you a little bit here, but let me make my own decisions here. No, I'm done with that kind of a lifestyle. Is there somebody tonight that would say, God, here's my whole life. We're going to serve the Lord. There's a real choice to make tonight. Your life, you are where you are tonight based upon a series of choices that you have already made. But from this point on, you have a choice to make for your future. Who will it be? A little bit of God and a little bit of the world? Or am I going to shove all that aside and give my heart to God? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.